Before we uh, look at God's word together, uh, John's going to come and read shortly. Uh, there will be a book, a bookmark in the little Blue Church Bible, and the words will be up on the screen, but we're basically the same Bible reading as last week. We're looking at um, uh, Matthew 6, uh, 5 to 15. So have that ready, and let me pray, and then John will come and read for us. Father God, uh, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for your, your grace in revealing yourself and your uh, incredible plan of um, salvation, universal renewal through your Son, our Lord Jesus. And um, Father, your word speaks to us. It changes us. Uh, we just pray today that uh, as we hear it read uh, and preached, that your spirit will soften our hearts, that we will... Um, that your word will accomplish what you desire for it today in our lives, um, for your glory. Amen. Well, today's reading on prayer is uh, found in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their rewards in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then then, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, others, their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you, John. <clears throat> um, well, one of the photos that has been doing the rounds in recent weeks, if you've got your eye on the news, is this one. Uh, you recognise this? This is uh, Harry and Megan and doing their big tour of Australia and New Zealand, and I'm not sure where else. Um, uh, but if you recognise the photo, it's, uh, the, it really captured kind of the world's attention. Uh, there's this little boy with Down syndrome who um, sort of wandered up to Prince Harry and uh, just decided to give him this big hug and uh, then he went, wandered over to Megan and did the same. It's this beautiful sort of picture um, and a, part of what makes it really attractive is the contrast between uh, this kind of, uh, the, between these two sorts of people. You've got these two people who are like at the top of the world in terms of prestige and wealth, uh, in terms of influence and power. And then you've got someone kind of almost on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, someone with uh, a, a little child with a disability, 
um, uh, with very little prestige or power or, or wealth, uh, coming together. There's this wonderful kind of um, contrast um, between these two people. Um, these, the, 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 the big meeting the little. <laughs> uh, there's, there's something similar to that actually happening at the point in which we're picking up the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we've been reading we're in this series on prayer and the big picture of the Bible. Um, if you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, maybe if you can just show the next slide, because this, uh, this is kind of the big picture of what we've been doing over the last few weeks. We've tried to track the theme of prayer, what is prayer, in the light of the whole story of the Bible. Uh, we've seen that uh, in creation we were made to be in relationship with God and in a, a, in a unique face-to-face relationship that will be restored when Jesus returns in the new creation. Uh, we've seen the story of the fall, of how we turn away from God, um, of how sin distorts that relationship, and we turn in on ourselves. We, uh, we kind of cut ourselves off from that relationship that we were made for. Um, last, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the good news of the gospel and how it shapes how we think about prayer. Um, that through Jesus, God the Father loves to hear us as his children. That uh, Jesus makes all of our prayers good prayers because he intercedes for us. He mediates between us and God. The Spirit helps us in our prayers all the time and even when we don't know what to pray. Um, that was uh, kind of the heartbeat of this whole series. Last week we started looking at the Lord's Prayer as kind of Jesus teaching his summary of what prayer looks like in the last days, in these days between Jesus' first and second coming. What it looks like to pray. Um, and if you're here last week, hopefully you got a sense that the first half of the Lord's Prayer is just huge. Uh, it's massive. There's these big prayers that get prayed. Um, it opens up, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be made great and famous across the whole world. May it be acknowledged. May it be loved. May it be honoured. Uh, may your kingdom come as, as people turn to Jesus and they hear the good news and come into your kingdom as, as your people yourself themselves grow in service of you and love for you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done uh, on earth, in my life, in the whole world, as it is in heaven. There's these huge prayers that Jesus teaches us to pray. And it's a real, um, we looked last week, it's a real tuning up of our hearts. It's this kind of reorientation of our whole lives uh, to be not about us and our priorities and our will and our name, but about God, his name, his will, his kingdom. Uh, there's this fundamental kind of reshaping of us that Jesus wants this prayer to do in our lives and do in our hearts. And we're right to feel that, the kind of challenge of that. I mean, that our vision is so often so narrow. Uh, our thoughts so often get taken up with, with my name. Um, that's what I get anxious about. My kingdom. My will. Um, Jesus' prayer kind of wants to shake us out of that, wake us up out of that self-centeredness and wake us up into reality, into God's reality. Life isn't about you, about, not about me. 
It is about God. The gospel, the good, the, the good news that, Jesus, that Christians proclaim is not about you. It is about God. It's about his name, his kingdom, his will. But the stunning reality of the gospel is that while it's not about you, it is for you. While it's not about me, it is for me. God doesn't ignore me. He doesn't ignore you. Through Jesus, as the start of this prayer puts out to us, through Jesus, God is your Father, your Father in heaven who bends down to you and who even cares about the details of your life. That's the kind of surprising shift that happens at this point in the Lord's Prayer. Um, in Jesus' prayer. Uh, Our Father in heaven, you can kind of feel it, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Oh, and could you please give me a bit of bread to eat tomorrow? (laughs) Can you feel the kind of um, uh, the disconnection there? Or the, it's not a disconnection, the the tension there. Jesus finishes the prayer with these three requests. And they're about bread, they're about forgiveness, and they're about temptation. Uh, and there are three things about the details of our lives. And, and it's really important they come after the first half of the prayer. We've kind of tuned our hearts up to God's priorities. Um, but these three things are all about the details of our lives. Um, three little prayers that line up with the big realities of the gospel. That end up not being so little after all. So we're going to... Um, just step through those last three parts of the Lord's Prayer. Not heaps of the Bible that we're covering today. We're kind of zeroing in on just the last three bits of the Lord's Prayer. Um, this then is how you should pray, Jesus says. And the, part where the, uh, the point we're up to, give us this day our daily bread. It's in your handouts there, so you can sort of read it there. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, Jesus is soaked in the story of Israel in the Old Testament. And if you are familiar with that story, uh, the, uh, the, the um, sort of talk of daily bread perhaps will spark a few memories for you, a few things uh, in your mind. Uh, it, it, it sparks the memory of the Exodus. So if you know the story, God delivers his people, Israel, out of Egypt um, and takes them to the promised land. They, uh, they spend 40 years, though, wandering in the desert because of their sin, but God still provides for them. He still cares for them. They're kind of in this in-between time, wandering around the desert. And every day, um, there's this bread that God gives them called manna. Manna is the Hebrew word for, huh? Basically, it says, what, what, what is this? Because people didn't know what it was. It's just this sort of bready stuff that... Um, would appear every morning and got every morning for 40 years God provided this bread for his people um, it was a constant reminder that their lives depended entirely on him that their lives were all a gift of his generosity to them that he was sustaining them and that's really the mindset that's behind this prayer as Jesus teaches his disciples um, all of life, all of life is actually a gift. All of life is a gift that we don't deserve and that we shouldn't take for granted, even something as basic as bread. Um, this prayer, I, I reckon this prayer can be a bit hard for us to relate to, especially those of us 
um, who are able to just head down the road and pick up a few loaves of bread from Woolies and then head back home to eat them down without too much of a thought. Um, the original heroes didn't have Woolies down the road or a fridge to store their bread in. Uh, so this would have had a, a much more kind of immediate feel to it. Um, they didn't know where their bread was coming the next day. Uh, daily bread was a real pressing need. Some of us might have been, or perhaps even are in a similar situation, um, where we're just not quite sure where our daily bread's going to come from. Um, just as an aside, if that is you at any point, let us help you. We can help you um, as a, your church family. Uh, there's more than enough help for you. Um, but some of us perhaps have been in that situation or might be currently or maybe in the future, but most of us aren't. Um, but I think that's actually exactly why we, need, we do actually need to pray this prayer over and over again. Uh, because... Um, because wealth can blind us, actually. It can blind us to the reality that we are actually always entirely dependent on God, that everything is a gift from him that we don't deserve. Uh, We're just as dependent on God as Jesus' first hearers were, who actually didn't know where the daily bread was (laughs) going to come from. We are just as dependent on God Um, To pray this prayer is to kind of cultivate a heart that knows that, that that knows that everything is purely from God's grace. It's to cultivate the heart of a beggar who sees every good thing as a gift. Um, It's the opposite of a kind of proud entitlement mentality. You know, that kind of entitlement mentality that sees the world around you as your right. Uh, that sees everything as, as your entitlement that you have worked for and that you've earned. Um, to constantly pray for your daily bread is to ask God to keep providing for you, to keep giving you what you need. It, it'll, and it will shape in you a heart of thankfulness and delight in every gift from the Father whether big gifts or small gifts, something as small as your daily bread. You won't take it for granted. Um, but it'll also shape how you view your stuff. Um, you know, kind of you know, the, the bread, if we kind of expand that out to ev- everything that God gives us to sustain us and to, to use and to enjoy, if everything is a gift from God, uh, that it frees us from having an Id- idolatry of things. It frees you from the idolatry of stuff. Um, You can enjoy your things, the material blessings God has given you. They come from a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Um, But you can also be radically generous with them. Uh, If you're someone who struggles with this, who knows in your heart you struggle with generosity, you I don't think you could do better than by starting to pray this prayer. Um, By acknowledging actually the reality that you are entirely dependent on God. That everything you have is a gift from him. To be enjoyed and to be freely poured out and used, well, 
for the sake of his name, his kingdom, according to his will. Give us this day our daily bread. Teach us, Lord, to depend on you in all things. Um, Keep providing for us as you have in the past. We trust you for that. And may we receive what you give us with thankful hearts. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus turns now to something that's kind of really at the heart of his own life and mission. Um, He turns to the idea of forgiveness. Um, Forgive us our debts. uh, It is in the version that we read. In the Lord's Prayer that we pray here at church, we say, forgive us our sins. Uh, If you're familiar with the uh, the older version, um, every time you get there, you'll say, forgive us our trespasses instead. Uh, There's different kind of words. What's on view here in Matthew's account of this prayer uh, is the idea that sin puts us in debt to God. It's a debt that... We can't ever pay off by ourselves. Um, it's a debt that only Jesus can pay for us to give us that forgiveness. And it's a forgiveness that has to come from God. And in a way, this is kind of this, to pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, our debtors, uh, it's the same mindset as the last part of the prayer. We never come before God as demanders. We only come before God as receivers. We never come with our hands full. You know? We come before God with our hands full of all the good things about us. We only, come, we only ever come to God with the empty hands of a beggar to receive. Uh, and we never move past that. What's really interesting about this prayer is, well, Jesus doesn't have any debts to be forgiven. Um, He's teaching his disciples this, this prayer to fuel them on after he's, he's gone and he's, he's given his spirit. He's teaching his disciples, preparing them for life in the last days. And he sees confession, confession of sin and asking God for forgiveness as a crucial and ongoing and really vital part of the Christian life. Um. I've put up a few quotes from Luther over the last few weeks. I've got another one here because he puts it so well. Luther says this. Martin Luther uh, um, lived about 500 years ago, a bit more. Uh, One of the great reformers of the church, he wrote this. If anyone insists, he's reflecting on this part of the Lord's Prayer. If anyone insists on his own goodness and despises others, let him look into himself when this petition confronts him. He will find he is no better than others and that in the presence of God, everyone must duck his head and come into the joy of forgiveness only through the low door of humility. There is a joy of forgiveness. But you only come into it through the low door of humility, of recognising You are someone who needs forgiveness, needs to be forgiven. Forgive us our sins, our debts. But there's something else here, isn't there? And we don't want to sort of gloss over it. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Um, 
it's, uh, it can be a bit confusing what's, what Jesus is getting at here, what's going on. I don't think he's saying that God is waiting for us to forgive others before he forgives us. Um, I think what's, what he's getting at is that both of these directions, God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of other people, both are a natural and necessary kind of part of the same deal. Um, they're net, there's a connection there that you can't break. Um, if you are Jesus' person, um, if you're Jesus' person, then forgiveness, forgiveness that cost Jesus his own life for you, forgiveness that is freely given to you but that cost Jesus everything, if you're, if you're a Christian, then that is at the heart of who you are. If you're not yet a Christian, then that is at the heart of what it means to become a Christian. Forgiveness. Forgiveness for your debt. Forgiveness for your sin that cost Jesus his own life and that he freely gives to you to receive by faith. And what Jesus is saying here is, is if you've received that, if you actually have, if that is a living reality in your life, then it will, it has to flow out to other people around you. It has to. Um, and Jesus takes this so seriously, he even adds that comment on the end, which is kind of, a, you know, you read that and you feel a bit disturbed uh, in verse 14 and 15, saying that if you refuse to give others, your father will not forgive you. Uh, this is the picture, I think, of, a, again, that kind of proud heart that hasn't recognised their own sin, uh, their own, its own desperate need of forgiveness. And that person who refuses to forgive someone else, not who finds forgiveness difficult, that's not what Jesus is saying, not someone who struggles to forgive, but that person who refuses to forgive in the pride of their heart, well, that's, what, can that, what else could that say? but that they have not themselves been forgiven and that they will not receive forgiveness from God. It's a hard thing, isn't it? Forgiveness. And I'm conscious that all of us approach this differently. Um, we all have uh, areas of our life that um, we struggle with and this for some of us is a very, very hard one. And that's why we need to pray this prayer over and over again. <laughs> Well, that's why we need reminding again and again um, that we are those who need forgiveness. I desperately need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. And God freely gives it to you through his son. And if that's an actual reality in your life, then it has to flow out to the people around you. There's more to say there. Um, uh, and if you'd like to sort of follow that up, please do chat to me afterwards. But there's one more thing Jesus gets at, and again it kind of flows out of this reality of that Jesus is getting out of how we are dependent on God. We, we rely all the time on God. Um, if this prayer becomes a reality in your life, okay, so if you know God as your Father in heaven, um, if increasingly what's at your heart is the glory of his name. If increasingly that's something that you yourself 
are seeking and desiring. If his kingdom increasingly has a, a grip on your life, um, if you are praying again and again, not my will be done but yours, yeah, your will be done in my life, um, if you live in radical dependence on him, in joyful and overflowing repentance and forgiveness, if all that's kind of having its effect in your life, then Jesus knows you will face opposition. You will face opposition. Uh, you'll face it from outside. Um, the moment that you say Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not, to use the kind of New Testament category, but you know you could fill in anything else in the place of Caesar. Uh, Jesus is Lord. Government is not. Big business is not. Lobby groups are not. The cultural tide that we're all swimming in is not, Lord, but Jesus is. The moment you say that and live it out, uh, you will be opposed. You'll be opposed kind of externally, and the closer you get to a culture's idols, the things that it holds dear to its heart that are in opposition to God, the closer you get to that, the fiercer the opposition is going to be. Um, but it's interesting that what this prayer focuses on is not so much opposition from people out there. The struggle that's on view here is not first and foremost against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual struggle. The real danger, there is danger that we face opposition out there. But actually the real danger is that we give in to temptation in here. The spiritual danger that we will face as we seek to live this prayer out. Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, again, different versions will put it differently, but the word temptation can kind of mean a few things. It has the idea of a test or a trial. Uh, one of the versions of the Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into the time of trial. Um, it's, the picture is of being put into this situation where we will face such pressure that we, we deny God, we give up on him. And we can't do it on our own. Clear? No, we can't do this on our own. We're not strong enough. Um, and we need God to save us, to deliver us. So we pray to him, Please, God, don't lead us into that situation. Don't lead us into that test or trial that will cause us to walk away from you. Whatever tests and trials do come our way, though, whatever temptations do come our way, deliver us. <laughs> deliver us from the evil one. The good news in all of this is that Jesus himself has gone through the trial he has been tempted in every way just as you and I are. He's passed the test. So we don't pray this prayer fearfully. We pray it, we can pray it confident actually. Confident that we are united by faith to Jesus, the one who has overcome the evil one and who has given his spirit to us. Well, what a prayer. Um, 
It's not in the original in Matthew's Gospel. We didn't read it then. And it's not in the other version of the Lord's Prayer either. But often what we'll do when we finish the prayer is there's a line at the end. It's printed in your handout. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Uh, that was kind of, it's not part of the um, scriptures, not part of the gospel, but it was added in in the early years of the church as just a fitting way to sort of sum up the prayer and to finish praying it together for God's people. Um, it sums it up. It reminds us that the Father we pray to is the one who holds all things in his hand, whose kingdom will never fail. And that's who we need to keep clinging to as we depend on him for our daily bread, as we come to him for forgiveness that he freely gives us through Jesus, as we ask him to save us from um, temptation and to deliver us from evil. Um, Throughout the whole series, I've kind of resisted going along a how-to approach. I don't know if you've um, read books on prayer or... Um, um, perhaps heard prayer being talked about. Too often, I think, it's possible to approach prayer as if it's just a technique, and if only you get the kind of right pieces of the puzzle in place, uh, if only you have enough self-discipline, if only you have the right environment, then you'll achieve real prayer. Um, I think that's a great mistake. Prayer is not something we achieve It is a gift from our Heavenly Father. It's not a technique. It's the natural outworking of a relationship that's established and fueled by the gospel. And the danger of our kind of how-to focus is the uh, 10 top tips for powerful praying. The danger of that kind of focus is it can just miss your heart. Um, It can miss the reality of what's going on. So that's all way of sort of introducing what I'm about to say, which is, and yet I think there is actually an important, it's a secondary place, but an important place for wisdom as we think about prayer. Uh, wisdom in this area. And a lot of the books that are out there, a lot of them are sort of, uh, they're hot off the table, so lots of them have gone. Um, but you can find some really helpful um, um, aids to if you're someone who just needs a bit of a kickstart in your prayer life. But I want to finish by just giving some encouragement for those of us who might be in that situation to kind of kickstart your prayer life in the light of the last five weeks, in the light of seeing the big picture of prayer. I just want to finish with a few encouragements. Perhaps you don't know where to start. Um, how many things have I got? Five. Oh no, six things, six quick things. Okay, I'll, I'll skim through them quickly. Um, but hopefully they may be helpful to you. Firstly, uh, remind yourself of the truth that you were made for God, that you were made to glorify and enjoy God. That is, what you, that is your purpose. That is what you were made for. And your heart will be restless until it finds its rest in him. Remind yourself of that incredible big truth. Secondly, repent of your prayerlessness. Um, The wonder of the gospel is that we can open our hearts to God, not fearfully, but um, in the security of his forgiveness. 
But that frees us to actually repent deeply and properly. Repent of your prayerlessness. Confess the, you know, in the, in the second week, if you're here, the, the broken wells that you keep turning to, those broken wells that you're looking to for water that will never satisfy you when you've got the living water right there. Acknowledge that. Don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Lay it all out before God and ask him to forgive you through Jesus' death in your place. Ask him to change you by his spirit. Recognize the big picture of your life. You're made for God. Repent of your prayerlessness. Do it. Like, Actually, find time to be alone and pray a prayer of repentance to God. Third, start small. Um, something small and regular and manageable is far better um, than grand, plan, grand plans. Sorry, I'm still getting used to South Australian A's. Grand plans uh, to get up at three o'clock in the morning every day that lasts a couple of days. Something small and regular and manageable is just a wise thing. Um, there's devotional guides available at the back. I really recommend those to you. If you just need a bit of help in getting into the Bible every day and some, and some things to pray for, there's booklets out there um, for sale on the book sh- bookshelf. Uh, again, um, if money's an issue, just take one and put the envelope in uh, without money. That's fine. We'll gift that to you. But please do use those. Um, there's devotional. Start, start small, something manageable. So that's three. Recognize who you are. Repent. Start something small. Fourth is uh, encourage us all, and all of these things are, I'm sort of speaking to myself here too. Work out a pattern. Um, work out a pattern for your prayer life. There's heaps of good resources out there. Uh, I really recommend if you've sort of got a smartphone and you use it a bit, there's a great prayer call, an app called Prayer Mate. Prayer, M-A-T-E, just look it up. It's fantastic. It's really been helping me recently. Um, There's lots of stuff there, but what I want to recommend actually today is just simply start with the Lord's Prayer. I reckon it's actually easy for us to, to kind of undervalue this prayer that we've just spent two weeks in. It's very easy for us to undervalue it. Um, we can undervalue it by making it so over-familiar that we just rattle it off mindlessly. Um, actually, I th- I'm increasingly thinking the solution to over-familiarity with the Lord's Prayer is actually probably to pray it more. Pray it more, with more meaning. Um, Luther, we sort of heard one of his paraphrases earlier. Uh, what he would do, is he had a um, habit of twice a day, morning and evening, he would pray the Lord's Prayer, but he'd put it in his own words. Um, he'd go through every line of the Lord's Prayer and just pray it in his own words. And sometimes he'd get stuck on one line and spend ages there, and that's fine. Um, uh, saying kind of uh, different each time, but with the same content, the same prayer. Maybe that's for you. Maybe, maybe you could try for once a day doing something like that. Jesus gave us this prayer, and I, I actually reckon he meant us to pray it. <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> uh, I, think he meant a, I think he meant it to do a deep work in our hearts. 
this prayer that he gifted to us. There's, as I said last week, there's very little direct teaching about how to pray in the Bible and from Jesus, and so this is incredibly precious to us. Start with that and see where you go from there. I think that was number four. Remember who you are, repent, start small, work out a pattern. The next one kind of um, feeds off that. Um, get into a habit. They, they, they say, I think it's about 30 or 40 days. If you do something, the same thing over, it kind of actually rewires your brain and retrains your habits. If you can do something small for about four to six weeks, uh, that can, will work it into your life as a habit. Not as a, you've got to always watch out for that tendency to just become mechanical and mindless. But that's not what a good habit is. A good habit is something that uh, kickstarts your prayers. Remember who you are. Repent. Start small. Work out a pattern. Get into a habit. The last one I want to leave you with um, is this. It's a bit of, bit, bit of left field one, but straight out of the Lord's Prayer, I think. It's this. Love your church. Um, we saw last week how the Lord's Prayer is not my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, give me this day my daily bread, etc., uh, etc. Et it is a church, it is a family prayer. It is a prayer about us. Um, and we need to kind of develop those disciplines of praying on our own. Um, but we need each other too. We need each other. That's why our home groups are so um, so helpful in helping us to pray. Why our prayer and praise gatherings that um, we have are just so vital as well. But not only in sort of in, in formal ways, but in informal ways, see each other as people God has gifted to you to help you to pray, to pray together for His kingdom, wherever that is, informally. Over a, cof- over a cup of coffee, inviting someone home for lunch after church and spending time praying for them, whatever it is. Love your church and have your own prayers fueled by your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a few thoughts. What I'm going to do to finish off, though, is actually just to pray the Lord's Prayer Luther-style uh, for us as a church, um, and then we'll have a time to respond in song. Sound good? Let's, let's pray together, shall we? Uh, our God, our Heavenly Father, we praise you that we can call you our Father. We don't want to forget what an awesome thing that is, what a privilege it is. We thank you that through Jesus we come before you as your children who you love, that you love to hear us. And we thank you that we can have confidence that not only that you are our Father, but you are our Father in heaven who rules and reigns, who that we can have absolute trust in. We thank you for the glory of your, your holy name. Uh, and Lord, we grieve that you are not honoured as you ought to be. And we pray that your name will be honoured and hallowed and glorified. We pray that for our own lives. We pray that for our community. 
And we pray for the thousands of people on the south coast um, who live not knowing you. We pray that they might come to know you and honour your name. And we pray that across the world. We pray for your kingdom to come, Lord. May you grow our church, uh, grow us as more people come to hear of you and continue to put their trust in you. Grow us as we uh, open up all of our lives to your lordship. Grow us in depth of maturity. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, your will is done perfectly and we pray for that to become a reality in our own lives and across the world. Uh, We know that that will not come fully until Jesus returns and all things are made new. Um, But we pray for that to be an increasing reality for us in our own lives, in our church. Lord, we depend on you in all things and we ask that you'll continue to provide for us. We don't take for granted the good gifts you give us. Please continue to provide everything that we need. Give us our daily bread. We come before you as dependent and desperate sinners in need of forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Give us a heart of forgiveness and grace for others. Lord, we ask until that day comes when your kingdom does come in all its fullness, when Jesus returns, we ask, please, keep us from that kind of temptation and testing that might draw us away from you. Keep us safe. Hold us in your hand. Deliver us from the evil one, we pray. We thank you for the confidence we can have that you will do that through Christ. And we pray all these knowing that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, amen.